Welcome back to the Academic Pediatrics Podcast. We are the Journal of the Academic Pediatric Association, and this podcast connects you with the authors and editors to help inform your clinical, educational, research, and advocacy practice. My name is Michael Cosimini. I am the digital media editor here at Academic Peds. And this week, we are doing part two of our series on the anti-racism education special issue. You'll be hearing from the authors of these 11 innovations, and you'll get some great ideas for things to try at your own institution. Hi, everyone. My name is Courtney Gilliam. I'm an assistant professor in pediatrics and an attending physician in the Division of Hospital Medicine at Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center. I'm also an assistant program director of the Pediatric Residency Training Program. I'm the first author in the publication title, Building Safe Spaces Through Race-Based Affinity Groups in Microaggressions Training. Coming into this work, we know racism is perpetuated through all levels of society and microaggressions, a type of personally mediated racism, can often permeate the clinical learning environment for trainees. Our team felt there was a real need to bring awareness and understanding of how microaggressions operate in the clinical learning environment, provide tools to effectively respond, and provide safer spaces for the trainees they impact. The Seattle Children's Residency Training Program developed a four-hour interactive workshop for pediatric interns focused on microaggressions. A novel aspect of this training was the use of race-based affinity groups. The pedagogy of affinity groups highlights the rich educational value that allows intentional spaces for people with shared experience and or identity. Throughout the sessions, three race-based affinity groups were used, the Black, Indigenous, Latino affinity group focused on reflections and building a healing space to process the trauma of microaggressions on their well-being. The Asian American Pacific Islander, Middle Eastern, Northern African affinity group discussed layers of power and privilege with proximity to whiteness. And the white affinity group emphasized understanding the harms of white supremacy culture and defensiveness when engaging in topics about race. When evaluating this curriculum, we saw that most residents moved from feeling uncomfortable to comfortable or very comfortable when recognizing a microaggression and knowing the strategies they can use to address microaggressions in the clinical setting. Our team was particularly proud of the positive impact we saw regarding the use of affinity groups. In descriptive feedback, a resident stated, it was really helpful to have the affinity group because I felt I could express myself and experiences better than I would have if it were with the whole group. This was a powerful statement because we want to provide trainees the skill set to have meaningful conversations about diversity, equity, and inclusion, critically thinking about how racism is perpetuated, and we want to ensure we are not causing more trauma and harm while doing so. Based on this iterative feedback, the microaggressions training will be transitioning to affinity groups for the entire training from beginning to end in order to build more sustainable, safer spaces in the domain of diversity, equity, inclusion, and medical education. My name is Dr. Ryan Lowry, and I am an assistant professor of pediatrics in the Department of Pediatrics at the University of Texas at Austin Dell Medical School. I'm the first author for the publication entitled Talking About Racism, Learning and Disrupting the Silence Through a Pediatric Resident-Produced Podcast. This article was a team effort between Drs. Tara Greendike, Jennifer Duke, Michelle Gallus, Lauren Gamble, and myself. Our article describes one approach to understanding and addressing racism through pediatric residency education, which was implemented during the 2021-2022 academic year. This advocacy curriculum 
combines adult learning theory with Kolb's experiential learning process and allows for a learner-driven model where trainees can choose an advocacy-related topic and product. Pediatric residents chose to create four podcasts focused on race, racism, and health equity, which involved workshop-based education, interview preparation, and culminated with a recording of an interview with a community expert. Podcast topics range from talking to pediatric patients about racism, what it means to be a bystander in medicine, implicit bias and its effect on our ability to listen to patients, and health equity and inequity in our local community and beyond. We recognize that any education about race, racism, and health equity is only a starting point for these training pediatricians. And we are proud of the engagement, insight, and creativity of our residents in learning about topics that inherently push many residents out of their comfort zones. We're also proud that these residents created a product that can be shared for general education purposes. Other programs considering initiating similar advocacy curriculum should consider the amount of planning, scheduling, faculty guidance and time, and residency program support needed to successfully complete such work. Thank you. Hi, my name is Dr. Thylene Borker-Kelly. I am the Assistant Director of Health Equity Education for the Pediatric Residency Program at Children's National Hospital in Washington, D.C. In this role, I serve as the Director and Primary Instructor of the Building Equity in Graduate Medical Education Service Learning Curriculum. I am the first author in the publication entitled Fostering Community Engagement to Address Racism, Development and Implementation of a Service Learning Curriculum for Pediatric Residents. Using social accountability as a conceptual framework and Kern's six-step approach to curriculum development, we designed, implemented, and evaluated a community-based service learning curriculum that is a required learning experience for all residents during a core rotation. We partnered with a local non-clinical community-based organization that serves under-resourced children and families living with mental health issues through peer-supportive programming, addressing intimate partner violence, gun violence, self-care, nutrition counseling, substance abuse, and housing insecurity. Residents spend several half days at the CBO participating in hands-on activities, including serving as medical experts for family support groups, advocating for wraparound and support services during hearings for justice-involved youth, and participating in school advocacy work. The result that we are most proud of and that we think is the most impressive is that within less than five months of launching the curriculum, we found a statistically significant increase in residents' post-test scores for having a positive attitude towards the community and under-resourced populations, which likely reflects the profound impact building direct relationships with community members outside of the hospital setting had on our residents. In terms of next steps, we are in the process of expanding the curriculum to include additional CBOs. We're excited and expect to be able to launch this phase of the curriculum within the next few months. Others looking to implement similar work can be successful by one, keeping in mind that designing and implementing a service learning curriculum to address community-identified needs takes time, careful and deliberate coordination, and planning. And two, as curriculum development is a dynamic, interactive process, it's important to remain open and flexible to change and continuous quality improvement as the curriculum evolves.
Hi, everyone. I'm Christine Cheston, a residency program director in the Boston Combined Residency Program and a clinical associate professor at the Boston University Chobanian and Avedesian School of Medicine. I'm also the first author of the publication entitled A Bias Response Committee to Improve the Experience of Diverse Pediatric Residents. This manuscript describes our residency's experience implementing a process from 2020 to the present whereby we conduct a weekly review of reports of bias and maltreatment by our residents. Nationally, trainees from backgrounds underrepresented in medicine frequently experience interpersonal racism. Supporting residents when events occur and driving change in clinical spaces are critical to building inclusive workplaces that promote psychological safety, growth, and academic advancement and retention. While many mechanisms for reporting existed at our hospitals, they proved impractical for our trainees. Thus, our process focused on, one, provision of immediate, high-quality support to reporters, two, hands-on help navigating the often complex institutional reporting systems, and three, providing accountability after reporting. Our manuscript further describes how the committee receives, reviews, and responds to reports, My team and I are immensely proud of this work for a few reasons. First, use of our process by trainees has been sustained over time. In fact, we continue to discuss anywhere from one to three new reports weekly. We hypothesize that actively supporting and assisting reporters initially and guaranteeing closed-loop communication for accountability have built trust and resulted in greater trainee engagement. Second, our next steps have become farther and farther reaching, Initially, actions taken to respond to reports involved meeting with managers. Now, we are increasingly detecting trends. In response, our committee has taken on curricular development, including creating an open pediatrics module on mitigating bias and feedback, as well as unit and division-wide educational campaigns. In fact, we're currently working with two large clinical divisions who are seeking to create their own processes and committees. Next steps for our team include engaging in qualitative work to understand the impact of reporters' experiences on their sense of belonging and facilitating process improvement. Thanks so much for listening and hope you heard something that will be helpful for advocating for anti-racism in your own context. My name is Allison Guerin. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm the Senior Director of Education and Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Justice in the Department of Pediatrics at the Stanford School of Medicine. I am the co-first author on the publication titled, Building an Anti-Racist Department Through an Experiential Department-Wide Anti-Racism Curriculum. This study evaluated the efficacy of an anti-racism curriculum in preparing residents, fellows, faculty, and staff to respond to racism and used a framework to respond to microaggressions in the clinical and academic learning environment. The curriculum addressed four critical elements, structural racism, medical racism, microaggressions, and allyship. The curriculum was delivered to over 1,000 faculty, staff, and trainees between 2001 and 2002, and participants demonstrated significantly improved self-reported knowledge of anti-racism concepts after completing the training. After taking the seminar, participants felt comfortable engaging in conversations about race with colleagues, identifying and addressing microaggressions, and practicing anti-racism in their daily lives. 
In reflecting on our curriculum, the result we feel most proud of is how an idea for a training grew into a large-scale effort with sweeping support from department leadership that over 70% of all faculty and staff in our large department completed with positive results. The training has now been further expanded into our hospital, and an additional 400 hospital leaders have completed the training as well. Our goal is to continue training additional hospital staff on this foundational content and evaluating durability of the results. Thank you. Hello, my name is Camila Hallman, and I am a pediatric hospitalist at Anova Children's Hospital in Falls Church, Virginia, where I'm also proud to serve as the program director for the Pediatric Hospital Medicine Fellowship. I am the first author of the publication entitled Realizing Inclusion and Systemic Equity in Medicine, Upstanding in the Medical Workplace, a Curriculum Update. The Rise Up Curriculum is a simulation-based curriculum which was developed in 2020 by a team of faculty, residents, and social workers from the Departments of Pediatrics, Emergency Medicine, and Surgery. The main objective of the Rise Up Curriculum is to teach the skills needed to respond to racism in the healthcare setting. During the Rise Up sessions, we review the history and outcomes of systemic racism in medicine, utilize video vignettes depicting racist scenarios created from team members' lived experiences, and introduce three anti-bias communication tools, the Stop, Talk, and Roll tool for responding to bias, the Step tool for addressing personal bias, and the Dare tool for supporting peers. A facilitator's toolkit of the Rise Up curriculum was developed through an iterative process. We are proud that the toolkit has been shared with over 40 institutions and remains available for download on MedEd Portal to take back to your home institutions for implementation. We are especially proud that participants in the Rise of Curriculum report that they are likely to use the tools presented when responding to bias in the future and feel more comfortable discussing race with trainees. The team that develops the Rise Up curriculum recognizes that acts of racism and bias continue to occur in the healthcare setting in a variety of forms. So the next step for us is to expand the curriculum to include scenarios of anti-LGBTQ plus bias and to continue to ensure that all trainees and faculty at our institution receive the training as part of their medical education. Hi, I'm Marcia Sahai, and I'm a Pediatric Emergency Fellow at Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center. I'm the first author in the publication entitled A Locally Focused Structural Racism Curriculum for Pediatric Primary Care Residents. We created a structural racism curriculum that utilized local examples relevant to the Cincinnati area to implement in our primary care clinic. We hope this would be insightful to residents that receive limited education about structural racism in their training. Residents stated how they recognized racism existed in a larger context previously, but had thought it easy to think not us, not here, and gained a better understanding through the curriculum of how patients and families were impacted by racism. They felt better informed to speak about racism in their discussions with coworkers, patients, and families, and the curriculum functioned best in a multidisciplinary and diverse audience that contributed a variety of experiences and opinions to enrich the content. We hope this will inspire others to battle racism within their clinics and cities as well. My name is Devlin Sashan Dusko. I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Pediatrics, the Division of Neonatology at Oregon Health and Science University. I'm the first author in the publication entitled Health Equity in the Neonatal Intensive Care Unit Rounds, a Multidisciplinary Educational Conference. 
Pregnancy and infant outcomes are influenced by structural, political, and moral determinants of health, including racism. And as clinicians, we need to understand how these impact our patients. Our multidisciplinary team included people from various backgrounds, including nurses, physical therapists, social workers, physicians, and nurse practitioners. Together, we developed a multidisciplinary case-based quarterly education conference wherein cases from our NICU are explored with the goals of identifying structural determinants of health and the effect on our patient and families, learning from guest experts and discussing opportunities for improvement, and identifying resources for further self-directed learning. Each conference ended with clear action items. Learning from other institutions who had implemented similar programs, we knew several things were important for attendance, including a multidisciplinary planning and education team, providing CME or other form of compensation for staff attendance, and sending a reminder prior to the conference for staff that were involved in the infant's care. We are particularly proud of the fact that 98% of the 48 evaluations received thus far reported learning new information and strategies that could be applied to their work or practice. Next, we are working on broadening our conferences to include the OB-GYN department for longitudinal cases of the birth person infant dyad. Hi there. My name is Shamita Punjabi, and I'm a clinical assistant professor at Stanford University and work clinically as a neonatal hospitalist at Stanford Medicine Children's Health. I'm the first author of this publication entitled Development of a Multi-Site Curriculum for Inequities in Newborn Care, informed by pediatric resident and community engagement. This work was done in collaboration with Becky Blankenberg and Elizabeth Blacharzik, both faculty at Stanford, as well as 22 members of our curriculum development team. Our work brought together input of both residents and faculty from four Bay Area pediatric training programs, as well as community partners from two organizations, Glow Premies, an organization providing support to Black families from prematurity through age 18, and SisterWeb, a racially concordant doula network based in San Francisco. These experts informed the design of an action-based curriculum for health inequities in newborn care. Highlights of the curriculum focused on faculty development, a daily clinical health equity check-in, and improving communication with all families. After surveying our residents and faculty who participated in the curriculum, we learned that the most effective piece of our curriculum was, one, implementing health equity rounds for faculty education in our division, and two, implementing an action-based check-in to improve and encourage daily team-based reflection on implicit bias and equitable communication. After these interventions, faculty and residents demonstrated increased recognition of health inequities and increased time spent reflecting on them. They endorsed taking actions more consistently to address inequities during clinical care and reported that they will continue to implement changes in their future clinical practice based on the curriculum and check-in. The tools we've created can and are being implemented in settings beyond newborn medicine and even beyond pediatrics to any inpatient clinical environment. Please reach out to us to learn more. Thank you. Hi, my name is Sabrina Karim. I am a first-year fellow in pediatric gastroenterology, hepatology, and nutrition at Boston Children's Hospital, and I am the first author in the publication entitled Implementing Health Equity Huddles in Pediatric Gastroenterology in Patient Education. Our team looked to incorporate bite-sized learning moments on the inpatient GI floor to address the impact of structural racism and bias on patient care. 
utilizing case studies based on real de-identified patients with GI chief complaints, our team facilitated brief 30-minute discussions around themes such as power, bias, stigma, and the importance of challenging illness scripts. These conversations were accompanied by perspective-taking questions and relevant curricular concepts such as a framework for upstanding. From this pilot study, we were pleased to see that these micro-interventions were well-received by trainees who participated in them, most of whom felt it was a feasible and useful exercise, even on a busy inpatient service. Multiple participants shared that the exercises fostered thought-provoking conversations that will impact the care of their future patients. There were also several requests to expand this programming to other subspecialties in the hospital. Our next steps are to evaluate this work in fuller scope and potentially expand to other parts of our hospital, as well as other programs across the country. Hi, my name is Sharon Ostfeld-Jones. I'm a MedPeds hospitalist and an assistant professor of clinical pediatrics and internal medicine at the Yale School of Medicine. I'm the first author of Improving Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Content in Pediatric Grand Rounds, that was published in this great issue. Uh, I worked with a fantastic team of residents, administrators, and other faculty on this project, and our work focused on increasing the content of pediatric department grand rounds presentations related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. We adapted existing DEI scoring tools for educational presentations to measure changes. We updated our department communications with Grand Rounds presenters and provided them with resources for enriching and highlighting their own DEI work. We found this resulted in an overall increase in the scores of presentations using our scoring tool. Grand Rounds was an educational target because it reaches learners further out from training, a particular group in need of DEI education. We're excited to continue the work by updating and validating the scoring tool and using it to evaluate other types of presentations and provide feedback to educators. Thanks so much for your interest, and I look forward to hearing all the podcasts. Thank you so much to our authors for submitting these clips and for their their great publications. Thank you for listening. I uh, would love if you could share this with your colleagues, uh, get some more people involved with us. If you have ideas for the podcast, please find me. Uh, my email is cosimini at ohsu.edu. We'd love to hear from you and we will see you next month.